Green Team Academy podcast, episode 55. My interview with Becky Migas of Be Green Events and her pro tips for doing epic zero-waste events. Hey, are you ready to make a positive impact for the planet? If so, then you're in the right place. My name is Joan Gregerson, and I am an eco-nut. Thanks for joining me today, and don't forget to head over to the greenteamacademy.com website to pick up plenty of other resources to help you on your way. And with that, let's get started. Green Team, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Green Team Academy podcast. And it's summer and everybody's out there doing all kinds of events and festivals. And I've been getting so many questions from different people that are like, oh, I wonder if we should try and do a zero waste thing at this parade or this festival. And they have so many questions. And so I am so excited because Becky Migas is going to be here with us today from Be Green Events answering all of those questions. So this is going to be a fun one. And you know that that having people, asking people to, to take a small step like doing something reasonable with waste at a festival is a great intro. And it's one of those openings uh, that, that might be a way that somebody then asked you more questions, wants to participate. So there's so many cool things about this, this simple intro uh, to sustainability as far as taking some action for zero waste. So with that, um, thank you so much, Becky, for hanging out with us today. And I just want to start by saying, Thank you. And tell us a little bit about how did you get into this area of what brought you into events and and zero waste events and sustainability with events? Yeah. Hi, Joan. And hi, everybody. And thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited to, to be here to talk about um, zero waste events. Um, so I've actually worked in the event industry for about 15 years. And uh, it was when I was getting my master's in uh, Missouri State University in uh, Southern Missouri, I had been talking to my professor kind of about what I was doing personally in my life. And I was doing a lot of sustainability. And he looked at me and he said, I, I think you've got a focus right there for working with events. So I just kind of was doing it on the side. It was just kind of a fun little project. Um, I had gotten a full-time job after my master's working for a 1,250-seat theater in Des Moines, Iowa called Hoyt Sherman Place. And I um, loved working with them. And I was able to incorporate a recycling system into the program or into the building. So it was an old historic building. So we had to go through historic reservation, uh, renovations to be able to incorporate recycling. Um, we had to get a grant and we had to do just a whole bunch of processes in order to get the board to approve it for us. Um, at that same time, I was also working with a, a music festival called 8035 Music Festival. We were also incorporating green practices into that. Um, you know, we were doing recycling. Um, they actually compost now. We didn't have compost at that time. So it was just kind of a passion project. It was something that I was doing for fun. It was just something I loved. And then um, I moved to Denver five and a half years ago. I started working for a company 
um, that necessarily wasn't focused on sustainability, but we were doing events. I was helping to produce about 300 events a year nationwide. And while I was producing those events, I was actually traveling from state to state. And I just saw during that time, again, how much waste was being, was being built at these events. Like I just, I couldn't get over like just, you know, I'd go into a venue and they didn't have any recycling and they didn't have any compost or, uh, you know, they didn't have anything in place. And I'm like, wait, is it, it's 2018, 2019. Like, why are we not recycling anymore? Um, so it just became something that I really, truly realized that I needed to, to get back to in my life. And so last year I left my full-time comfortable cush job and started Be Green Events. Well, I'm so glad that you're doing that. And I, I think, yeah, there's so many things where you just feel like it's so logical that you, if you just wait, give it enough time, it's going to sort itself out. And I guess we just keep coming back to that again and again with this environmental stuff that it's going to be people like you and all the people listening and me that, that take that extra little step to say, hey, we, we can do better. And, and so, Becky, so when you're, so, so you were doing event planning, that was kind of your main thing. And then you decide to start your own company. So what types of people hire you? What type of events? Could you give us an example of um, somebody that you're working with and how that all comes together? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of my recent events that we just did um, was working with East High School's Afterprom. And East High School is the largest high school within the, the Denver public school systems. And they throw a massive Afterprom with 800 and 900 students. Um, and they, they decorate every inch of that lower level floor with decorations. Like it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's, it was not my high school after prom in any way. Um, I, I have to tell you, it was not my high school prom either. And I actually went to East High School. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the proms now? Because they're crazy. It's, it's, it's intense, but no, I'm sure. I'm sure things have changed a bit uh, yeah. since I graduated there in 1978. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'm sure some things have changed. Yeah, I mean, and it's great because the after prom really is a way to keep students off the streets after their prom. Um, it's a way to keep the party going. The the school really does a great job at keeping them engaged. Um, so they've got lots of games for the kids to play. Um, there's activities, there's a silent disco. So it really is a great after prom for a great cause. Um, but uh, my girlfriend who works with uh, Sustainable Three, Liz Rutledge, had approached me uh, before the prom and said, look, like, there's a lot of waste that comes out of this prom. Would you, would you be interested in working with us? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? Not realizing how much waste this after prom actually did create. Um, but we incorporated compost, um, and compostable ware into all of our stuff. Um, last year when they provided water to the kids, they would provide water bottles 
and the kids only were drinking about a quarter to half of them and then those water bottles were being tossed so this year we bought in water um, stations for them and we worked with rocky mountain rocky mountain bottled water company um to bring those in and this year was the theme was um was game on so everything that was in the decorations was all game themed so they had one hallway that looks like a Candyland game. They had one hallway that looks like Donkey Kong. They made these huge battleships that people could play battleship with. I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was like some of the most creative things I've ever seen. Um, and then for our waste stations, we created that into a game too, and we called it Think Think Dunk. And so it wasn't something that was stand out or you know in the way of what was going on we incorporated it into the, the life of the party and we made it part of that party and so our parents who manned our way stations were our referees and so they would stop the kids before they dunked and they would talk to them about where they were putting things and but if you make it fun and you gamify it and you make it part of what they're doing and the activity they're at they're more likely to pay attention and actually think about where they're putting their waste. And the goal really is that, you know, events not just diverting waste, but also providing education so that people want to go home and start recycling and start composting and maybe think twice about where they're putting their, their waste at the end of the day. I was say, I think a lot of times too, people are really confused because bioplastics feel so much like plastic they get confused and I, it's always fun at least you know when i'm working at a waste station and i tell people what those materials are made of they're like really i was drinking from corn like that's what was you know or shirt like they're like what so bioplastics is basically a compostable plastic so um if you look at any products that come from like eco products or world centric their cups that they actually create are either from corn or sugarcane um, and those come from a plant-based product, which in return can go into compost and be able to break down in a compostable system. And so what you were just saying is that it's hard for people to know when, they, when they're looking at something if, it's, if they should throw it in the trash or if, they're, if it's compostable. And I guess probably especially so at a, something like a party or a festival where there's a lot of stuff happening and you're just wanting to make sure you don't get lost from your group and that you yeah. all these these other things that you're concerned about um, rather than maybe if you're somewhere else and you had more time to to think about to think it. about it right or actually read the cup because a lot of times a cup will tell you that this is compostable or what it's made of um, but yeah I mean people are, are out partying and um, I'm the party planner that's a party pooper some days, I feel like. but. <laughs> <laughs> so, Becky, what would you say about um, what people can do in the planning stages? Because I know with a lot of these things, if you just come in at the end, then a lot of the decisions have already been made. Uh, there's a lot of things. I know I've worked as a volunteer at some zero waste or events and I'm just at a you know sorting station and there's so much stuff that's generated that it doesn't seem like it needed to have been and so what are some of the steps or the the systems or kind of the thinking that you work with people to make sure that everything that can be done 
upstream actually gets done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you are correct. A lot of people come in, uh, you know, two days before and, and want to start figuring out how to divert their waste. It, it tends to be an afterthought versus a forethought. And um, a lot of things that I look at is, you know, first thing is working with your food vendors and making sure that they are all using compostable um, compliance materials. Um, so looking at making sure that they're BPI regulated, which uh, BPI is bio biodegradable products institute um, so you can actually go to that website and search for a company or product and it'll tell you if it's a BPI certified um, and then there's also the manufacturers compost Alliance MCA um, and those are important because those are regulations set on compost materials to make sure that they are actually able to break down in a industrial composting facility um, a lot of greenwashing happens in the compost world, just as we see greenwashing and everything. Um, so making sure that, you know, you're, you're compliant with what can actually break down in your local compost facility. Um, so working with, you know, food vendors, so I work with my clients to make sure that all of our food vendors are compliant. Um, looking at waste, you know, instead of having water bottles, how can we provide water on site and encourage attendees to bring their own water bottles or be able to provide water and access to them? Looking at things like if you're serving beer and wine, what are other alternatives besides serving them in plastic? Can you serve them in cans, which cans are infinitely recyclable, um, you know, which is a better way to, to do than using a, a plastic or a keg? Um, looking at, you know, what are they, what, what materials are they using for their signage, for their banners, making sure that anything that we create, can we use that over and over and over again? Um, you know, really taking a good look at overall operations. And if we really want to get down into it, we can look into what is, you know, if there's a stage, what is the lighting on that stage? How much energy are we producing? Are we using LED lights? Um, our sound, how are we producing our sound? How much energy is being produced there? Um, how can we you know, look at that and, and determine if there's ways to do energy efficiency there. Um, you know, really digging down deep into the operational side and saying, okay, how can we rethink what we're doing? You know, how can we reinvent the wheel and, and see how we can break down the operations and really reduce all of our waste from the start? Um, you know, compost is a great great asset to have, but it still is, at the end of the day, a single-use product. So how can we cut down on waste regardless? And I think that people, once they get the idea about this, can really come up with some creative things. Like you, like you were just saying, like that example with the East High Prom. I know when we were doing the, um, the Longmont Youth of the Earth Festival, and we had about 1,200 people there, and the things that we came up with were so fun. Like we bought our t-shirts at, at um, thrift stores and then had our logos printed on all these different colors of, and shapes and sizes of yeah. t-shirts. And we bought water bottles, uh, reusable water bottles from the thrift stores. And someone gave us like a little sticker to put on those. So, so our decal and we, we coordinated with Boulder Food Rescue and so we used, we got rescued food and our chef the day before just cooked whatever came in, watermelon drink and 
vegetable quesadillas and that was all served on real plates and we just like kept going with it and it was it was really fun to to see all that let's say if you're dealing working with somebody that is has got a let's say a festival that's been going for quite a while one of the things I would imagine would be a bit of an issue is that people get used to making money off of things that create quite a bit of waste. And like a, one example would be just water bottles because these summer festivals where everybody's wanting, needs water. And if you come in and say, hey, let's put in a water refilling station, do you get pushback? Um, and 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 the second part of that question is uh, uh, kind of related. If you go to them and say, "We want you to all use compostable products," are there costs associated with that, and do you get pushback, and how do you work through that? Yeah, I mean, money is the biggest factor of sustainability in general. Um, I think not even just in events. I think people in general don't want sustainability because everyone sees it as more money. Um, you know, and I use a lot of the times, you know, you look at solar, you know, really it's helping you to save money. And like personally, if you do, if you put solar on your house, yes, it's an upfront cost, but over time you're going to be saving money. And that's the same thing with events. Like as you incorporate sustainability over time, you're going to start to save money. So same thing, like being able to repurpose and reuse certain materials and not having to buy those materials again and again. You're not having to spend money on that stuff from year to year. So you're actually saving money that way. Um, things like water bottles, you know, yeah, um, you know, people are like, yeah, we're making money from it. But, you know, hydrate people properly, get them to drink more beer and you're going to make money on more beer. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> That's a good comeback. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I mean, it, it's at the end of the day, like it's, it's social responsibility. And I think that we're to a point where people have to think social responsibility into their events too. We talk a lot about corporate social responsibility on that level of, of companies having to engage and become socially responsible and events are the same way. We really need to have, um, I know maybe I'll make up a new term, event social responsibility, um, <laughs> where it's, you know, events start coming in and they've got to, to almost incorporate CSR in the same way. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can look at too. There's a lot of companies who really want to focus on sustainability and so they're more willing to sponsor events that want to be socially responsible we're starting to see that switch a lot more um, starting to see a lot more companies who want to be involved with events specifically to help them with sustainability they'll either invest solely in a sustainable project or they'll be excited to just invest in the sponsor the event overall um, you know, because it's going to have a zero waste aspect to it. If, if you hear, if you're starting to get pushback that, hey, this is going to cost us more money to go with these compostable products or you want us to not sell water bottles, but that's part of how we make our money that you're saying to back up and, and see that when you're doing a 
a an event that has a zero waste aspect or that is a sustainable event, that's a way to attract partners, sponsors, folks that will be there to support you. And so, so Becky, like how much, um, is there a significant cost to go to compostable products compared to, to others if you're asking people to, okay, ditch those red plastic cups and go to a, a compostable oh, cup? Wow. Um, there is a little bit of a price difference, but because um, more and more uh, certified compostable companies are coming on the scene, you know, we're starting to see a lot of this stuff come down. We're starting to see compostable products available in your grocery stores. You're starting to see them available in places like Costco. And that's great for for the compost business, the compostable business across the board. Um, we're able to, to see those prices drop. So um, I'm hoping within the next year that there won't be any price difference whatsoever. So I guess my last question is, and you started touching on it by saying that there are businesses that would, would be more likely to sponsor an event possibly if it has a sustainability aspect. Um, but what would you recommend for people that, you know, we could use an example of um, a, like a neighborhood organization that wants to help um, I don't know, like a music series or something that's been going on for a while and they don't have very many volunteers and they, they might want to hire a company like yours or someone else to actually come in and help them rather than trying to do it themselves. Um, but they don't have any money and they don't feel like they have really the the time, the resources, they, they feel kind of stuck. So that's what I've been hearing a lot. So what, what would you recommend for someone that's in that kind of situation? The other thing is we can look at grants. Um, we're starting to see more and more grants that are becoming available to, um, to sustainability projects overall. And that's really exciting to be able to see that, um, grants are being made available specifically to environmentalism um, that just again shows companies are saying or you know organizations are saying we have to make this a priority um, so looking into different types of grants that could be available potentially getting funding um, especially if you're a nonprofit to be able to offset some of your costs and be able to incorporate your sustainability um, into your events and so in addition to maybe a little bit higher cost on um, on the products, the compostable products, maybe setting up a water station, what are some of the other costs? I'm wondering about like composting in particular. Is that something that ends up adding costs? So if a, a small group is is writing a grant and trying to figure these things out, what are some of those areas that that might need a little bit of um, money to make it happen? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, there are additional costs with bringing in, you know, if you have to bring in a um, roll-off for your compost in addition to a roll-off for recycling, um, you know, those are things to look at. Um, you know, the biggest thing um, is finding volunteers or people who will man the stations, um, zero waste stations don't work unless there's somebody that's there providing guidance. 
Um, signage is a big thing. Um, I'm key on signage. Um, you know, we talked about the beginning of this conversation and kind of full circle, people aren't paying attention to what they're doing at an event. And people don't understand what's recyclable, what's not. And being able to have manpower at your race stations and being able to have proper signage that people can look at and, um, you know, within a few seconds, know exactly where that item in their hand is supposed to go. Um, so making sure that you, pro you know, provide proper signage and, um, you know, there's, you know, there could be a few other things in there too, depending how far you want to take that sustainability aspect throughout the event. How about um, measuring if somebody wants to then report what their, um, their impact has been? Is that something that you do when you work with events or how would people, how do people report, hey, we did these efforts and this is what we, you know, this was our impact? Yeah, uh, metrics are huge. Uh, data is so important. Um, you want to be able to report, and that's, uh, you know, marketing piece of it. That's a key piece to you saying, hey, like, we did this. This is our impact on what the environment is. So, um, yeah, either, you know, it would be if I came on and was managing the sustainability side of it, we would, I would have ways to be able to measure that waste and that we can divert it. Um, I like to go around and collect cardboard at the beginning, and then I will tape a piece of cardboard to wherever my waste my waste station is, and we just use that piece of cardboard to write on throughout the day and measure. Um, but you mean so, like if if something fills up, you you weigh it right then before you right empty it, yep. so, that, so that you're keeping track as you go. Yep, yep. So measuring it the other day. Um, and then the waste station or the hauler that you're working with usually can also provide a report. So they usually weigh their truck before it comes. But like if it's a roll off, they'll weigh it. And then when they pick it up, it'll be weighed again. Um, so you'll be able to have those uh, metrics as well. But um, really weighing on site is, is a key, key component. Yeah, so that's a good idea. I mean, it's always good to have two to yeah. data points so that you yeah. can kind of see if there's contrast and compare mm -hmm. yep. make yep. sure that they're they're supporting each other along the yep. way yep exactly okay. but yeah and then once you get those numbers it's making sure that you are telling people about it be excited be proud be happy um and again and i think that you know we're starting to see a shift you know and i you know i you probably see it too like people who are 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 starting to finally catch on that sustainability is important and they want to be involved with people who are doing actions to be better for the environment and you know if you have an event and you want to to bring people in promoting sustainability you know is going to be a huge aspect people might say hey like this event's doing really cool stuff and they're helping the environment we should go check it out and be a part of it um and it's especially as generations come through, we're going to see that shift even more. And it's really, really exciting. And I think it's, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, how it looks in the next five years. I think that it's just going to get better and better. And I think that we're going to, you know, everywhere we go, it's just not even going to be a question. People are going to know how to, to, to get rid of their waste. People are going to know how to refuse. We're, we're going to know this stuff and excited to see how that comes together. 
I think it's going to come together through your efforts, uh, through all the cool stuff that you're doing and everybody that's listening and everyone that's taking those, those steps. And that's why it was so cool, the different folks that were recently talking to me saying like, I have no idea how to do this, but no one's doing it. So I think we should yeah. try. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think that's the message we keep getting is everyone's hoping somebody will do it. And then they find out, wait, I'm somebody. So yeah. I can do it. Um, I, do, I do the same thing with, you know, talking with people about their personal lives. I get a lot of people who approach me just because in my life, I'm just, I'm sustainable and people will approach me and ask me how, how to do it or what they should do. And, and everybody's path looks different. So the same thing, every event is not going to be just like the other. And it really is about starting slow and about building and about being able to incorporate little by little. And the more you do, the more effective it becomes and the more of a habit it becomes. And then you realize you can do a little bit more and you start to build all that in. And, and then before you know it, you're just doing things every day that are making the environment a better place to be. So, um, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be part of it. Yeah, it does have that snowball effect that once yeah. you figure out one thing, it does open the door to do something a little bit more. So yeah. Cool. And, and I know when we were talking before that um, I, I think something that people might be thinking is like, well, there's no way that I could hire um, a sustainability coordinator or consultant or an event consultant to help me with this because I don't have the money. And I, I think one of the things you were saying was that in some cases you, you help people find those sponsorships or or connect them with grants or other things so um is that what would you what would you recommend if people are thinking oh i wonder if she can help me with this but i don't have money yeah um yeah i mean i'm definitely always um happy to talk to someone and see what plan we can come up with together and um, you know, if they, you know, are interested in going down that road with, you know, they don't have the capacity to find a sponsor or a grant, then um, having that conversation and seeing what we can work on together and seeing what we can make happen. And, um, you know, it's, it's every client for me looks very different and how I approach it. Some people just come for questions. Some people um, bring me on as a sustainability coordinator and some I'm an, the actual full on event manager and then incorporating sustainability from that aspect as well. Um, so always happy to talk to people. You know, if people want to do better in their event, then I'm, I'm excited to have that conversation. Okay, that is, that's great to know. And just a quick note, I know there are at least two grants. I know that CAND, the CAND Aid Foundation, so it's C-A-N-D-A-I-D Foundation, it's part of um, Oscar Blues, that they have some grants where they've helped some of the the festivals go zero waste. So they might be somebody to reach out to as well as the Denver foundation has um, strengthening neighborhoods grant, which also may be something I haven't heard of anybody using it for that yet. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is what I think with all of our sustainability stuff is that we often stop ourselves. We have like a glimmer of what it could be. And then we go, Oh, but we can't because blah, blah, blah. Totally. And it, it's better to have those conversations of dreaming big 
because more often than not, there is somebody out there that wants to support people like you that are on the ground doing things. And so, so don't give up on your dreams, the, the you know, kind of go big, go big or go home. Like just put that big dream out there and you'll be surprised how many times you can actually get quite close to it. And in all cases, uh, if, you, if you don't make those first steps, then it's for sure not going to happen. So it's, yeah, it's definitely worth trying it. And if you fail the first year, well, I'm sure you will have learned a lot and can try again on the next year. So is there anything else, Becky, that we didn't uh, mention before we sign off here? No, I think that that covers everything. And thank you so much again for having me. This was fantastic. And um, yeah, super just excited to, to get the word out about Zero Waste Events. And like exactly like you said, like just hope people just take that leap um, and start at least having that thought process to try to do something small today to make a bigger difference tomorrow. That's very quotable. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Um, So I'm also this that reminded me there was a really nice resource I found from the city of Lakewood um, sustainability. That is a zero waste event guide. So I'll leave a link to that, which is a nice starting point as well. And I will leave contact information so you can reach out to Becky Migas with B Green Events. And um, the website is the letter B and then greenevents.com. And yeah, so with that, well, thank you everybody for, for tuning in today. And thank you so much, Becky, for hanging out with us. And remember, everybody, the time for action is now because there is no planet B. Bye, Becky. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Appreciate Bye. it. Well, that's it for another episode of the Green Team Academy podcast. Remember to check out all the resources to help you make a positive eco impact in your community at greenteamacademy.com. Thanks so much and see you right back here soon.